Good morning. Thank you, Amy. Have you ever been in a public place where you recognize someone, such as maybe a party or a restaurant or a grocery store, <clears throat> confident that you know exactly who they are? And you even call out to them by name. And they have no idea who you are. That happened with someone I know very well. I yelled out their name from a distance of about 20 feet, kind of how I call out to some of you. I said, is that Connie? Connie's a pseudonym. I'm trying to protect the innocent. Without approaching me, Connie said, do I know you? In shock and not knowing exactly how to reply, I said, it's Stephen. Like, you should know this. And an awkward five to ten seconds passed before they told me they were messing with me. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out if they really were messing with me. I don't think they were. Or maybe someone has called out to you by name. And you're like, I have no idea who this person is. So you pretend for a while to, I'm trying to figure out who this person is. You're trying to buy some time. And you hope that a name or a face comes to the hard drive of your mind. What's the point of this introduction? On Judgment Day, it is extremely important that Jesus knows who we are. And that you and I know who he is. Because on the day of judgment, we'll be in between the cornerstone, that is Jesus, and a hot place, that is the lake of fire. You know, between a rock and a hard place. Switched them up a little bit. If we misinterpret who Jesus is, the Jesus who is fully God and fully man the only one who can save us from our sins, we will be eternally lost in our sins. There are many people who say and think they know who Jesus is, but do not worship him as their Lord and Savior. So this morning, we're going to find out who Jesus says he is. Jesus is the God who saves. So our big idea the only proper response to Jesus, who reveals himself as the God who saves, is to believe in worship. The only proper response to Jesus, who reveals himself as the God who saves, is to believe and worship. Will you guys pray with me? Guys and girls. Almighty, gracious Father, Almighty God, we, we bow before you, Lord. Lord, I ask for your help. That your words, that my words that come from you would penetrate the hearts of your people and would penetrate the hearts of those who do not yet know you. I ask that you would stir up in us an affection for
for you only, Jesus. Help us to know you, to cry out to you, to love you, to believe in you, and to worship you. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Are you ready to receive this morning's word with great eagerness and examine the scriptures to see if what I'm saying is true? So you're supposed to say yes. All right, a little background context for this morning's passage. If you have not yet turned to the Gospel of Matthew, please go there now. Turn the pages. At Trinity Bible Church, we love to go through the scriptures. So be ready for a bunch of page turning this morning. You guys know what I'm saying? Break out the Bibles. Let me hear some pages going. From the very beginning of Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 1, verse 18, we are told about who Jesus is. Jesus was born of a virgin by the agency of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21 of chapter 1. His name shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 23. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is God the Son. Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God in the flesh. Right here on our wall with a big cross. And the Word became flesh. John 1.14. Matthew goes on to tell us in chapter 3, verse 15, that Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Verse 16. And as Jesus came up from the water, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. In chapter 4, verses 22 through 25, Jesus is going throughout all of Galilee, teaching and proclaiming the good news. People were bringing all the sick to him, and Jesus healed them. Jesus stretched out his hand to cleanse the leper. In verse 23 of chapter 8, which is a mini prequel to, this, to, the, to today's passage, Jesus is in a boat with the disciples. And the disciples are screaming and afraid because of his storm. And after Jesus says, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Jesus calms the sea and the wind by the word of his power. In chapter 9, verse 25, Jesus raises, awakens a ruler's daughter from the dead. And soon after that miracle, in the same chapter, Jesus opens the eyes of two blind men. Men who cried out, have mercy on us, son of David. All of what has taken place thus far in Matthew's gospel has showed us that this Jesus is like no other. There is none like him. Some of you ladies are reading that book or have read that book. Just in case the message is not clear on who Jesus is, in this morning's passage, Jesus is about to drop the mic 
on top of the water. Once again, our big idea, the only proper response to Jesus, who reveals himself as the God who saves, is to believe and to worship. So I know that some of you like order. So here's a little outline for this morning's sermon. In verses 22 through 23, I'll touch on the humanity of Jesus. Jesus is fully man. Next, in verses 24 through 27, we'll spend some time looking at the deity of Jesus. Jesus is fully God, or Jesus is fully divine. And I'll conclude with verses 28 through 33, which will highlight the response of Peter and his disciples to Jesus walking on the water. You guys ready for our first main point? The humanity of Jesus. Jesus is fully man. Verse 22, chapter 14. Immediately, he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So hang with me for just a second. I want you guys to check out a glimpse of the humanity of Jesus. Right before he is about to make the disciples get into the boat, the disciples had told Jesus about the death of John the Baptist. Go back to verse, verse, verse 13. When Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Jesus wants to get away. Like some of us during the summer in Phoenix on Southwest. Get away. Possibly to mourn the death of John. Maybe he was tired and needed to be refreshed by spending some alone time with God the Father. However, Jesus sees the crowd and has compassion on them. Jesus sticks around for a bit and feeds them bread from heaven. Sound familiar? Exodus 16? Like when God rained down bread from heaven? Back to verse 22. Of Matthew, as Jesus compels the disciples to get out, to get into the boat, and immediately Jesus made, or more like compelled or strongly urged the disciples to get into the boat. Think of the scene. Jesus is leading them. Maybe his arms are around them, guiding them into the boat. Why did Jesus compel or make them get into the boat? Matthew does not tell us, but another gospel writer does. John provides us with some insight into the urgency of Jesus sending them onto the sea. If you will, go to John chapter 6, verse 14. John chapter 6, verse 14. When the people saw the sign that he had done, the sign of bread from heaven, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Verse 15. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him, Jesus, by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The crowds were not looking for a suffering servant. The one who would save them from their sins by dying on a cross. The one that John the Baptist was referring to in John 1, verse 29, when he said, 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The crowds wanted the prophet, someone similar to Moses, who would be able to deliver them from their bondage to the Roman Empire and someone that would feed them bread from heaven every day. Back to Matthew 14, verse 23. Jesus, respond, Jesus spends some alone time with God the Father. Verse 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Matthew provides more insight into the humanity of Jesus as we see with Jesus withdrawal to the mountain by himself to pray. Jesus makes it a priority to spend some time with the Father. I, I love this. We're not told what Jesus is praying for, but I was trying to imagine what was Jesus praying for. I'm sure that Jesus was praying for the will of the Father to be done. Maybe Jesus was praying that he would not be tempted to be carried off as a king. You know what I think, though? I could see Jesus praying for the disciples. That they would not lose their faith as they were on the sea. That they would be able to persevere in times of trouble. I could see him praying for the, for the Father to prepare their hearts for the mission that lied ahead for them. Do you recall that prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of the Gethsemane? Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. You don't have to go there. Jesus was troubled and sorrowful and said to Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. You see the human side of Jesus? Jesus needed time alone with the Father. And so do we. And so do we. Are you feeling overwhelmed this morning? You don't have to raise your hand. I know some of you are. Maybe your soul is feeling very troubled. Maybe even to death. Maybe you are harboring unrepentant sin and feel very far from God. Cry out. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse 13, that the tax collector who cried out to God went home justified. He beat his breast be merciful to me, a sinner. He couldn't even look to God. And he went home justified. Maybe you're depressed and feel that no one cares. Jesus cares, and he knows exactly how you feel. Go to him. Jesus is Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. Cry out to Jesus. Jesus prays, fully man, and Jesus hears our prayers, mm, fully divine. 
Jesus is the God who saves. Point number two, the deity of Jesus. Jesus is fully God. Only God is qualified to walk on water and trample waves. Verse 24, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. A long way from the land. Our ESV translators, which are really good, tell us in the footnote that it was many stadia. A stadion, one stadia, was about 607 feet or 185 meters. I don't know what meters are. It's, it's a long way. The boat is being beaten and harassed by the waves, and the wind was against the disciples. Matthew is telling his readers that this was not a fun night of row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. No, the waves and wind were wild and chaotic. Othmar Keel in his book, The Symbolism of the Biblical, uh, the Symbolism of the Biblical World, writes, quote, To the men of the ancient Near East, which is in the ancient Near East, primeval chaos is present in the sea, unquote. In Keel's book, there is a picture that shows how the waves of the sea looked like a five-headed dragon about to trample and devour whatever is on the top of the sea. But you know what? Even though the waves and the wind are wild and chaotic, God is in control of the seas. Check out Psalm 65 with me in the middle of your Bible. Keep a finger in the Psalms. We're going to be going there a lot. Psalm 65, verse 5. By awesome deeds you, an you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation. The hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest seas, and of the farthest seas, verse 7, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. Only God can still the roaring of the seas. Back to Matthew, verse 25. Keep your finger in the Psalms. And in the fourth watch of the night, he... Jesus came to them walking on the sea. Let that sink in. That was kind of a pun. Walking on the sea. Fourth watch of the night. Here's some footnotes in your ESV that are helpful again. They say between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Jesus is now coming to them. Walking on the sea. Jesus is the only person that I have ever heard of that walks on water. You know, um, there is a way that someone can walk on water. I'm going to share with you the trick. You have to be in Minnesota 
in January when the lakes are covered with ice because it is 30 degrees below zero. Grievers, pack some parkas. You will soon get a chance to experience that. Gonna miss you guys. Please turn to the book of Job. Job chapter 9. Let's start at verse 6. In the middle of your Bible, before the Psalms. Job chapter 9, verse 6. Job says, who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble? Who commands the sun and it does not rise? Who, who seals up the stars? Who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea? Let's keep reading verse 9. Who made the barren Orion? the Pleiades and the chambers of the south. Verse 10, who does great things beyond searching out and marvelous things beyond number? As I was reading that passage in Job, I thought of the song of Moses in chapter 15. After Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God, divides the Red Sea into two so that Israel can safely pass through the Israelites, Moses praises God. Verse 11, you don't have to go there. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing many wonders? And in verse 18, the Lord will reign forever and ever. You know, Jesus could have split the Sea of Galilee so that the disciples could have walked across to the other side on dry ground. But instead... Instead, Jesus sends them out into the sea with threatening waves. And Jesus decides to trample on the waves, walking on the sea. The psalmist says in Psalm 77, verse 16, When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. Verse 19 of Psalm 77. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. Who is the only one who can walk on water? Jesus. Only God can walk on water. Fear and terror grip the disciples. Verse 26. But when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! I don't know if that's how they sounded. And they cried out in fear. Ghost is, ghost is translated from the Greek word phantasma. It is only used two times in the New Testament, and each time it refers to the disciples' reaction to Jesus walking on the water. They thought they saw a phantom, like a ghost. Apparently, it is not normal to see something or someone walking on the water. So imagine this scene with me. Three to six in the morning, super dark in the middle of the sea, and something is walking nearby on the water. That's scary. I'm scared of the dark in general. 
I have little outlets in our house with like lights built into them. Because I'm scared of the Rebecca knows. I'm scared of the dark. Like Rebecca, check that noise. <laughs> the disciples see Jesus walking on the sea, and they were terrified and cried out in fear. They are afraid. I imagine they screamed out loud. And of course, no one can hear them because there is a storm and they're in the middle of the sea. And Jesus identifies himself as I am. Verse 27. But immediately... Immediately, Jesus heard them. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Immediately, as Jesus sees them scared out of their minds, he says to them, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. It is I comes from the Greek, ego eimi. Ego eimi. All our... Greek nerds, we love that, ego me, which can also be translated, I am. In Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So up to this point in Matthew, the only ones revealing the divinity of Jesus are the demon-possessed men. Matthew chapter 8, verse 29. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? I don't know if that's what demons sound like. Jesus is revealing himself in declaring, Ego eimi, I am. Jesus is fully man, and fully God walking on the sea. And what do you imagine the voice of Jesus sounded like in the middle of these battling waves, unrelenting wind, and darkness of night? I think, I don't think the disciples would have heard Jesus whisper. No, I don't think this was a whisper. His voice probably sounded like, more like how King David describes the voice of God. Psalm chapter 27, verses 3 and 4. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. I'm guessing that this is a thunderous proclamation of, do not fear, I am. Do not be afraid, it is I. We can also see that Jesus is demonstrating his steadfast love to the disciples, reminding them to not be afraid. This loving kindness is reminiscent of Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God. In Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9, 
It says, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? You rule the raging sea when its waves rise. You still them. You know, you and I, as we read this passage, we know that Jesus is not going to let them perish. I don't think they knew that. That's why Jesus presents himself. Do not be afraid. I, I am. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? Do we really believe that? Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the God who saves. Point number three, Peter and the disciples respond to Jesus, the God who saves. Peter trusts and obeys Jesus. Verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. I like that. That's some faith. I'm assuming Peter has to cry out loud to Jesus since the waves are crashing against the boat and the wind is blowing. Lord, if it is you, this could also be translated, since it is you, Lord, since it's you. I think Peter is well aware that this is Jesus on the water. As if who else would this be, right? Peter was well aware that the impossible happens when Jesus commands the impossible to happen. After all, it was at Peter's house in Matthew chapter 8, verse 14, when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law by a simple touch of his hand. Yes, Peter heals mother-in-laws. And it was with a one-word command of go that Jesus casts out demons. Would Peter now believe that Jesus is indeed God in the flesh walking on water? Verse 29. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Jesus said, come. Peter asked for Jesus to do what only Jesus could do. And Jesus answers his request with a resounding come. Peter trusts and obeys the Lord's command to come to him. If we love Jesus, we will keep his commandments. When he tells us to come, we come. When he tells us to go, we go. When he tells us to love one another, we love one another. Peter gets out of the boat, and the text tells us that Peter walked on the water and came to Jesus. We are not told how many steps. We are told that he walked on the water and came to Jesus. Peter is walking on the water to Jesus. So let's continue to keep in mind that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And Jesus is fully aware that Peter is only fully man. In fact, we are told in the book of Hebrews 
chapter 14, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So I titled this sermon, Get Out of the Boat, because we are told more often than not that we should stay in the boat. We are encouraged to have a faith that moves mountains. But wait a second, that's, that, that face too crazy. Don't do anything too crazy. Don't quit your job. Don't give it all away. Don't move to Minnesota. Don't move to Arizona. Don't get married. Don't stay single. Don't tell the waiter or waitress about Jesus. Don't say the name of Jesus out loud so that your family gets all mad. Take a risk. Get out of the boat. You know Jesus who walks on water. In Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus said to Peter, James, and John after they had witnessed the transfiguration, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Unfortunately for Peter, back to Matthew 14, doubt sets in. Peter takes his focus off Jesus. Takes his focus off Jesus. Verse 30. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. The wind. I was wondering to myself, who's in control of the wind? So I don't know if there's any connection here. But God causes a great wind in the book of Jonah. Jonah 1.4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. I don't know if that's connected. I'm just thinking. Just a thought I had. Back to Peter. Peter saw the wind, he's afraid, and begins to sink. And the common and most likely interpretation of this verse is that Peter took his eyes off Jesus. He lost focus. He he wasn't focusing on Jesus anymore. He started to focus on the outside circumstances. The wind. He focused on the wind rather than staying focused on Jesus How many of us have been in Peter's situation? Everyone raise your hand. You had your eyes on Jesus. You were praying. You were reading the word of God. You were in community with God's people. Jesus was the number one priority in your life. 
And all of a sudden, like Peter, you took your eyes off Jesus. And I took my eyes off Jesus. Have we not all been in this situation? Maybe you can't keep your eyes from checking your bank account. Not trusting in the provision of God. Maybe you can't stop looking at pornography. Maybe you're coveting someone else's spouse, their car, their home, their life, their job. Maybe you're too busy being wise in your own eyes, not setting your eyes on Jesus. You might be sinking right now. Maybe you feel like you're drowning and you're about to run out of breath. Psalm 69, roll with me. I'm just going to, I want to encourage Psalm 69. Please go there with me. I'm going I'm to spend a, a minute in here, maybe two. Psalm 69 to the choir master, according to Lilies of David. Save me, O God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Verse 2, I sink in deep mire, where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. Verse 5, O God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Go to verse 13. I have this circled with a bunch of like lines around it. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up. Or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord. For your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to my soul. Redeem me. Ransom me because of my enemies. For those of you who are drowning, cry out to Jesus. The God who saves. When Peter started to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Back to Matthew. Verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
I love Jesus. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, saying to him, Will you have little faith? Why did you doubt? He took hold of him. Jesus saves Peter. Jesus saves Peter. Peter was walking on the water. I mean, I, I can just imagine Jesus thinking, keep coming, Peter. Keep your eyes on me. Keep persevering. Don't worry about the next step. Keep walking. Let's not be a people who doubt. Let's place our focus solely on Jesus, not on the things of this world. You know, James, the half-brother of Jesus, probably knew Jesus pretty well. In chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, he said, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, without no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. I think James might have heard the story of Peter. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. Jesus has to be the sole object of our affection, of our faith. And let me remind you of our big idea. The only proper response to Jesus, who reveals himself as the God who saves, is to believe and worship. And the disciples worship Jesus. The disciples worship Jesus. Verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Verse 33. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. You recall verse 22? Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Verse 24, the wind was against them. And then Jesus comes walking on the sea and Peter walks on the sea and they get into the boat and the wind ceases. I'm thinking of this as kind of like a discipleship moment that Jesus had with the disciples. Jesus was testing their faith. He was testing their faith, strengthening their faith, helping them along, increasing their faith in him. They were beginning to gain a deeper understanding of who Jesus is, fully man and fully God. Jesus is the God who saves. Verse 33 again, the, the disciples respond to Jesus, truly you are the Son of God. In conclusion, at the very end of Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 28, Verse 16, there were still some disciples who doubted. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know what I love about this ending? Yet Jesus still commissioned them. Let's get out of the boat. Verse 19 of Matthew 28, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and, the Son, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, Jesus said, I am with you always to the end of the age. Who do you guys say that Jesus is?
If you don't know Jesus, or if there is a doubt in your mind about who Jesus is, cry out to Jesus. Lord, save me. Talk to me or someone sitting next to you. We'll tell you about this Jesus, the God who saves. The only proper response to Jesus who reveals himself as the God who saves is to believe and worship. Let's pray. Almighty, gracious Lord, our God who saves, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he has made a way for us to be in relationship with you. Help us to cry out to you, Lord. Help us to cry out to you, Lord, save us. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.